Welcome back, everybody, to The Moderate Majority with James and Zach, and episode 17, Walking and Chewing Gum While the Bullets Fly. How's it going, buddy? I think that says it all. <laughs> yeah. World's going to shit. World's going to shit, and people are all twisted upside down and uneducated and don't know what's Stressed to, out. Don't know what's up and down and left and right and... Scared. Yeah, well, this, we've we've got a we've got a great one for you today. You're gonna feel really fantastic after you finish listening to this episode. <laughs> we're like the harbingers of of uh, I don't even know what we're harbingers of despair and demise. <laughs> <laughs> we're both feeling salty. It's a perfect episode for us. Uh, yeah, we're gonna do our little how we doing intro, and then we'll uh, do an update on kind of the three conflict topics right now. The the current state of the speakers situation in, in the u.s house of reps ukraine and israel uh hamas and i have to throw in gaza in there because the palestinian people are reaping the um vengeance uh of what hamas has brought down to the area and um then we will come back for our main section of the show and kind of talk about i guess it's it's an american perspective um, but we also want to kind of talk about the allies perspective, but the, how, where the extremes in the American political spectrum, kind of where they have landed together on, on this, um, uh, many more things we want to talk about. We'll talk a little bit about how age and generationally, um, where there's education in foreign affairs, um, got like a really bright future with our youth, um, in terms of you know, social and cultural relations and race relations in that aspect. Like, they're a lot more unified than than the older generations are. However, um, I think it's becoming more and more apparent that they are less educated on foreign policy and history in general, um, and therefore um, have interesting stances on, you know, the real threats in the foreign policy political spectrum. And that is not... When we say that, we don't mean every young person, but uh, definitely the majority of them. Um, and you can tell from their positions. Uh, Both l- measurable. Still. L- lack of critical critical understanding in terms of a majority of them on, on the impact of a lot of this stuff and why it's important to care and not be an isolationist. Or, oh, this happened here? Uh, it's America's fault because empire and imperialism. Um you know, we it, yeah. When 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 it when it when it comes to imperialism and bad faith uh, actors, uh, we are not alone in the world in dancing in that ballroom um, in the last fifty years, and certainly, uh, you know, not even currently. So um, we'll talk a little bit about that as well too. But uh, yeah, how you doing, man? After all that, just. Ted French of like a, I'll pass. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was fucking exhausted this week. Um, it was a rough week. What's What's good news? I have. I'm on vacation after this week. Oh, that's nice. That's right. Which means, even though we came at you with three shows in a row, started to pick up we're gonna speed. Be back to a hiatus. Yeah, guys. we're gonna go back to a hiatus. I need to get the fuck out of cause, town because because Jimmy <laughs> Jimmy's gonna go off the grid, and he may not come back. <laughs> it's a possibility. Yeah. possibility i heard some of the places he's visiting and if he runs up up creek 
with the banjo playing man with uh you know one I got a real pretty mouth <laughs> he might be in trouble <laughs> squeal piggy squeal no man it's not that bad Mm, I don't know. Well, <laughs> but, well uh, who's to say I'm not going on vacation for that? I've, I've seen <laughs> I've seen some footage. Um, on a, on a positive, upbeat note, uh, I got my uh, my medical test back for uh, colon cancer, hey, good and you. it was negative. Congratulations! So, you know, dodged a bullet there. Stoked about that. Can cross that one off the list. No precursors. No polyps, no cancer, so it won't kill me for at least another year, hey, which is good yeah, news. Yeah. And you know, I can cross off. You know, it, it helps you uh, focus on where there's issues, and it's like, okay, so this is clearly going to be dietary based with like dairy, or I should say, I guess casein and and gluten, and then you know when you eat and stuff like that. So, trying to deal with some of these stomach issues of the gut that, uh, well, this episode's not going to help with that. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> the, 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 the current events of the last probably six years is it going to help with I that? don't know, man. I, I'm living, I'm living a pretty functional existence through a pretty dysfunctional life right now. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, a nod to therapy and mental health definitely oh, got go. me through. So, um, yeah, this uh, although this is like disappointing and and frustrating and a lot of other things, it doesn't sway me the way that it used to in terms of like I mean you know I'm one little grain of sand. On we're a also beach. getting we're also getting it's funny because I, I've had this in the past week where a lot of younger people have come like you know they come and go in, in your life and they they talk to you about current events and <clears throat> this Israeli Gaza conflict. Um, What's is real, was, James? Was, was really was really a concern, and so, uh, and it's really funny because the older you get, the more you have a perspective on things. Like uh, I, I had somebody call me up and talk to me about like this worldwide jihad event that was supposed to happen on Friday the thirteenth. The, the, the leader of Hamas or Hamas's yeah. foreign minister basically called for it, and and yeah, there there you know France had a. Uh, situation and you know a stabbing in a school. Antifa's gonna raid the mall. But like yeah, twenty like twenty five year old person calls me up and was like, dude, this is crazy. I can't believe they're doing this. And I was like, this is probably my like seventieth call for worldwide jihad. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's this is where age actually helps you with mental health. Where you're like, I've seen this before. Yeah. I've heard this before. It doesn't mean that it's less like scary, but you become. It's not that you become desensitized, but you do become more. It becomes more of like, okay, I've seen this before. I've, I've done this. It's experience. It's like, you know, you, you might be a little heightened of like what you're doing or, you know, I might not want to go to a demonstration that day. You know what I mean? Yeah, it might be something I mean, that you... I know Magnazis are going to be incensed that I'm going to say this, but like, even though there's billions of Muslims out there in the world, most of them don't want to go blow themselves up and end their life just because some extremist calls for a worldwide jihad. They would like to... You know, get well, their, seen that they'd, like to, they'd like to they'd like to get their groceries, yeah, and they'd like to go to yeah. work, and make a little scratch, like, like people, yeah, yeah, be able to come back, hang out with their family and friends, enjoy themselves, go to bed at night, and then when the sun comes up in the morning, wake up and fucking do it all over. Yeah, again. you're seeing that you're seeing a lot of that with like uh, <laughs> on your TV screens, just to illustrate the point where you know you had we won't get in the weeds, but you had Israel issue this you know dire warning of you know 1.1 million people need to leave North Gaza and head right. south and. In 24 hours. In 24 hours. And so, you know, you were thinking, you know, I, I was thinking, like, how many people are actually going to do that? 
turns out a lot of fucking people are doing that. So people, those are of, those yeah. are people who are like, I don't want any part of this. I, well, and it I, just tells I, you, I gotta get out of here. It kind of tells you, like, I mean, I guess we're getting into it a little bit, but it kind of tells you where Hamas is, where they're like, no, don't leave, stay. And you're like, anybody that cared yeah. about their own people would never tell their civilians to stay in a war zone. Right. Like, literally... We've been following Ukraine for, it's coming up on, I mean, it'll be coming up on two years here in about five months. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And even when they control an area, when they realize that, like like in the north right now, in Kharkiv, in the Kupiansk area, before, when they saw that there was buildup of the Russian forces, maybe going to possibly, you know, try a counteroffensive, uh, which happened recently and failed miserably. But they just, they just got their civilian population just force them to leave Mm -hmm. you just don't if you care about your actual if like you if you're actually a a leadership group that cares about the well-being of the people that you hold stead over um you generally don't want them in a war zone you generally would like them to not be killed well i mean there's also an article that i read and obviously it's one out of many um that we've all read this week but hamas's own leadership um a lot of them didn't know this was going to happen this is obviously a close chest type of operation and the people who didn't know that this was going to happen they didn't leave or they didn't go into hiding and so they were the other ones who've been killed they've been yeah. killed and so i mean i hate to say this but i mean if you have an organization that doesn't care about its own leadership right let alone the civilian population is supposed to be representing and serving because it is a quote-unquote a political movement there you know and they were technically voted in um but then quickly shut down all of their opposition by gunpoint. That was interesting. Um, you got to sit there and, Jesus, if they're not even respecting their own leadership ranks, I mean, what are they going to do to the common guy who just wants to go and get his groceries and go home and right. and all of that? So, uh, yeah, it, it's it, it's an interesting organization. I mean, you see, you see it with the Russians, right? They have go in, they occupy territory, and then they force conscript the people that are that chose not to flee or couldn't flee. Uh, into their forces and then send them to the front as fodder. Yeah. It's like we've it, talked about that many yeah, times. This this yeah. this isn't like how many? Yeah. What's their casualty rate you, up to you now? Can, you, you can know? you can you can usually tell, you know, who the good guys are and who the bad guys are. And, you know, obviously, a big generalization, yeah. oversimplification. But you can usually tell the good guys and bad guys are in terms of how much they look out for, protect, and care for. Their non-military personnel. Well, I would even argue even their military personnel. And their military personnel. You know, you don't just put you don't yeah. you don't just order you know human wave attacks over and over right. again, hoping that it's going to be different this time. Right. right. Which is why they're approaching. I think last week you said they're approaching three hundred thousand uh, yeah, casualties in, in Russia. Yeah, they're they're back at just slaughtering their own people. They must have gotten a new wave of mobilized in and so yep. Let's let's just ram them into the meat grinder. Yeah, I mean that's that that's the difference. Right there. It's like, you know, responsible nation states aren't going to ask somebody, you know, I'll just use you as an example. Hey, Zach, uh, would you go ahead and strap a bomb to your chest and go into this market? Because that would be sweet. You know what I mean? Like, that's just not responsible. And if 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 our leaders did that here, they would cease to be elected, which is, which. well, wait a minute. That's what that's why what happened in, in something like January 6th, where your leader's calling for you to overturn a yeah. lawful election. Um all of this that's that's that that's perspective this is where we're at we're would, starting yeah, out this, this yeah, path. Starting that path. i'd say that would all that would have always been the case but i don't know if, if trump said that i believe there are people that would probably fucking do it well actually we know that because there's guys that have attacked 
government offices, FBI officials sure. when he said things and, yeah. di- and knew that they were going to die doing it. Guy got people anyway. to drink bleach, dude. Guy got people to drink bleach so that they wouldn't get COVID. Holy fuck. Yeah. And on that note... So that's how yeah, I'm doing this yeah, week. Yeah, yeah. And on that What's note... What's on your mind, people? <laughs> on that note, we'll... Uh, so we don't just keep slipping down our slope here into into the topic. Chaos. We'll, chaos. we'll take a quick break and then we're going to come back uh, and we'll update you on the three kind of main areas that we started last week with our with our conflict series. All right, we'll catch you guys soon. All right, everybody, welcome back to The Moderate Majority with James and Zach, our episode 17, Walking and Chewing Gum While the Bullets Fly. All right, Jimmy, it's update time. Um, I'm going to be chomping. I'm making sounds like this because... You're eating fresh fruit. I'm eating fresh fruit. Raspberries and blackberries from the farmer's market. And they are... Well, that's tart, but they're good. They're good. <laughs> <laughs> You're giving the blow by blow. Yeah, yeah. We, <laughs> this is fresh fruit Saturday. Hey, yeah, 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 yeah. We we do a we do a little foodie action on here too, just this to switch it up. Delicious. Yeah, these raspberries are delicious. All right, so how about we start with the Republican conference in the House of Reps? Seems like I mean, do we have to? Oh, uh, yeah. It's the least dis- it's the least depressing. But pos- is it? <laughs> is it? But in terms of Americans, um. Our functionality and well-being, and in a support role for our allies and the other conflicts we're talking about here, kind of fucking important. So, Steve Scalise, who was the Republican number two behind McCarthy, mm-hmm. was the natural uh, consideration for self-prescribed David Duke without the without the back. Without yeah, <laughs> self-prescribed. I'm not saying that. Those, that's what he said. That's what he himself. said. Yeah. For for those of you that don't know, who David Duke is he's a leader of the Ku Klux Klan. Um, he was a grand wizard. A grand wizard and yeah. ran for uh, government in Louisiana, I believe it was. was in the eighties, right? He started yeah. coming out. Yeah, and, and then and he's, made, and made a couple runs. Out. Made a couple runs for president. Long shot, yeah, things, yeah. Right? In Senate, I think he's ran for almost every every uh, position you could possibly have in government. He's never really. I don't think he's ever really held office, has he? Scalise, though, also we should throw this out there. We're talking about his past was. Uh, a congressman who was shot at the uh, the baseball game um, by the progressive extremist guy who came down from Vermont and opened up on the Republican team that was out there practicing. Yeah, um, uh, it was he basically almost died. Yeah, so, it, was a, it was a brutal attack. I am um, as much as um, him referring to himself as David Duke without the baggage makes me want to vomit. Um, a man's also dealing with cancer. Right yeah, now, yeah, very was, serious. That's why it was a little bit of a shock that he even threw a serious bout of cancer. And obviously, like, you know, I mean, unless somebody's like a really horrid human being and he do- hasn't done anything in his life that would like qualify for that, um, you don't wish that type of, you know, no, man, I mean, I'm, I'm not, so, not going to so, wish death on people. So, you know, I mean, he's he's been he's been the victim of political violence, uh, you know, which you, you often think to, I. I I think why why he's maintained himself as kind of an establishment mainstream uh, Republican, uh, but yeah, and and just knows obviously we certainly wish him well in his recovery. Him and Jamie Raskin, 
who's a Democratic congressman who's also battling cancer. I think it's actually pretty positive and, for Raskin. And, and positive, yeah. uh, positive outcome for uh, Raskin right now. So, yeah, I just want to make that comment. But anyway, he was nominated. Uh, he went up against Jim Jordan and got, I believe, behind closed doors, about 119 votes to Jordan's 99. So they released publicly that he was going to be the GOP nominee. And then within like 24 to 48 hours, yeah, yeah, he, they realized that he wasn't going to be able to, you know, basically the extremists, the Magnazis were like, it ain't ever happening. Like, we're never going to back yeah. you. There's I'm nothing. Sure that, yeah, I think there was enough people in there where it might not have just been the uh, the, 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 ele- the right-wing element or the, the radicals. Um, it could have been, there's probably some moderates that just couldn't but, have seen them their way through. A lot of times where, I mean, I think you had... Um, I know this is a really weird name to throw out there. Remember uh, Santos, uh, mm-hmm. you know the the guy who's probably going to get thrown out of office anyway by his own by yeah. his own congressional. Um, uh, what, what do they call that? It's not a caucus, but they're his own Congress people, his fellow Congress people from the state. Who's going? They're going to probably work to throw him out anyway. Delegation. That was what I was looking for. His own congressional delegation. Delegation. Yeah, because yeah, he's out. a fucking criminal. Well, he's just he's just all over the map. I mean, in terms of what he does, his behavior. But he said he would never vote for him because he never called him, never tried to garner his vote. He wouldn't take his phone calls. I mean, that would make me want to vote for Scalise if he's not taking that guy's phone call. Yeah, but, but George, George saying, Santos hasn't taken any of his there's, there's, phone there's calls some, either. Yeah, there's some, there are going to be some times in politics where people aren't going to vote for you for personal reasons. Like, you know, hey, man, I've had a, a run-in with this guy. He was never, somebody I can't work with. So you do have the radical element that's holding everything hostage, but... You also have people who are just not going to vote for you because, hey, man, you might have screwed them over in the past. You know what I mean? So keep that in mind. It's not just because, dude, you're talking like, I mean, he, he needed like 60 some odd votes to get over the top and he just wasn't going to get there. And I don't think there's 60 radicals necessarily, like uh, magnazis. It's a pretty big, it's a pretty big portion, dude. If you're affiliated, if you jump in bed with those guys, it goes back to the episode we have with the company you keep. Well, right? we also like, talk about how there's no, I mean, even the moderates aren't really moderates anymore. In the Republican Party, I, I'm a firm believer in, in understanding people's language and rhetoric. And so, when you start a speech out that's very moderate, like "Hey, by you know, giving some some homage to bipartisanship," but you, but you end your speech with, and we saw every one of these speeches when they were going to vote uh, McCarthy out, it always end, ended with "We need to defeat the radical left." Uh, you know, yeah, agenda. communist Biden, 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 Biden economics is a complete disaster and failure. And they all, all of them to a T said that we're spending way too much money, but not one of them ever thought we were spending too much money when Trump was in office, which, or even when GW was in office. So it's like, you want us to, you want us to make cuts when, when the opposition's in party. And I get that's politics. I'm not, I'm not knocking them for that. It's the rhetoric around their politics, calling people radical, calling people like, you know, that aren't radical. They're not. I mean, they're just, I mean, they just have a different agenda. And And this is why it's important. We do have a... I would say an element within the Democratic uh, caucus that is more radical than you would say the moderates, you know, the, the mainstream moderates are in the Democratic Party. And so separating those two is very important for us to identify the political you know, spectrum now, right? And we'll talk a little bit more about the radicals being on both sides, being very close in what they actually want. They might use different language, they might call each other out, but they're very, very close in terms of agenda. Yeah. So that's why I'm, I'm I, I question you know the moderates when you have a Keem Jeffries saying hey there's good people on the other side we'll help them form you know we'll help we'll help them choose the next leader find a bipartisan right that's forward, somebody yeah. who's moderate willing to do what they need to do but you also you have the wing nuts who are just like you know fuck it I don't give a right. shit 
we're going to close down the government. We don't care if people's checks don't go out for social security. We're closing it all. We're closing the shop. Right. You know, so that's my, that's, I just think it's kind of important to be more accurate and, and, and to kind of give the, give the landscape that sometimes politics is personal in, right. in, the, in these institutions. And Scalise was well over what he needed. I think well over the radicals. He, he lost some, probably some moderates, quote unquote moderates as well. Yeah, he may have. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't. Don't know. They didn't. We give, won't know what's going to happen. Yeah, they doors. didn't give all the. They didn't give all the details because it was behind closed doors for a reason. Where, but he. Where? But, but he. He. Little Jimmy Jordan is going to have yeah. the exact opposite problem. So he. He's with- going to get all the radicals, and he's going to have to work yeah. to get his work his ass off to get them. In. So he withdraws, and Jim Jordan. They do another, I guess you know straw poll vote, and Jim Jordan gets one hundred and twenty something. With like eighty one against um, in behind closed doors, then they come out and they say, okay, well, if we did a floor vote, because we just need to move this forward, how many could you get? And it was like one hundred and fifty four, but he still had something like fifty two or fifty one. Yeah, they have to get to two seventeen. Strongly, strongly against him. Mm-hmm. So they're the week has ended and they're no further along than they were before, and that's when Hakeem Jeffries, the leader of the Democrat, the minority Democrats in the House, the minority party, came out and said, listen. I think this is going to continue and we have to function as a government. You know, we've never seen anything like this before. The dysfunction within the, uh, one party of the government. Yeah. The Republican conference. And, and he, he made a point that I think was really important. Although I doubt anybody that should be listening was listening, which is, it is the majority party's responsibility to elect their own leadership and not that of the minority party. However, as you stated, he said, I know that there are good men and women, traditional Republicans, who want to have the government function and want to do things for the American people to make their lives better, and that the Democratic conference is open and waiting and willing if those folks, because they can't do anything with the radical fringe in their party that is rampant within it, actually, um, they're willing to find a bipartisan way forward to make that happen, to get a speaker back into you know, in, in the House of Reps and to move forward with an agenda that Think is... about the knife's edge that these guys are working on, right? They can only lose four plus, you know, five, basically. You can lose four, you can still get elected. If you lose plus one, you're done, right? Yeah. That's the, the slim majority that they have. And what's crazy about it is you're talking about a, a political party who can't get in... A political party that can't get in the same room together and come up with a leader. It's insane. That's that 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 has never happened in in in, in our history. And they, so. and and, they're, and I'll say this again. I said this last week. They're coming up on election year, and they want you to vote for them. They're saying they are the best yeah. option. They can lead yeah. this country and solve the problems. Yet, what we're all watching is they can't pick a leader to leader. lead them. Yeah, that that's <laughs> it's, it's a good I, again, indication again, of how they're going to govern. It's never happened before. Yeah, in American yes. history. Yes, this is never happened before so please fucking pay attention and we're going to talk about how americans really aren't paying attention i mean we've we've covered that at nauseum and why um it just it's really hard to be motivated to go out there and keep doing this and you should it's our civic duty and we got to fight but like man even even james and i we sit here and talk about you know some of the opinions people have and how ass backward is based off of what they want to happen is and we'll we'll get into this in the next section, but anyway, so that's that's where all that sits right now, currently. 
Ukraine uh, continues to uh, mount its offensive in the Zaporizhia region, uh, particularly south of Robotaim towards Melipatol uh, and Tokmok. Um, they are expanding their their wedge uh, on the outskirts of Novo Pro Prokivka and Verbove, and now on the outskirts or moving towards the outskirts of a, a another village to the west called Kapani. So uh, they continue to battle and grind out and move forward. Um, and it's interesting. I was reading an interview of some of the uh, NCOs that are on the ground on the frontline units. And they basically say that all of their, all of their uh, pushing forward and their advances take place at night. This is how they've learned to minimize casualties. Says so if we were to do it in these open fields in the daytime, we would just get we would get slaughtered, which is what the Russians are doing. So, you know, it's very it's very um, regimented. It's very uh, specific and calculated, and slow, but it's how they are able to maintain and look out for their soldiers, so they're not just slaughtering all these people mm-hmm. that have been trained, mm-hmm. and and still the losses is, is is not good, right? So. They're making gains there. I just read today, unconfirmed that they finally captured uh, the railway dam between Andivka and Klishkivka, which is south of Bakhmut. Um, the railway line is well raised above the flat landscape around it, and there's this dam that's been built up with some, you know, uh, water. Um, I guess they're like man-made ponds or lakes that are on the side on the eastern side of it. So. They finally captured that section between the two, which gives them oversight of now the flats below all the way to the to the highway that runs between Horlivka and Bakhmut, which is the only other southern entrance. And I think it's about two to three, two and a half to three kilometers away from the current their current position. So that was a big, a big capture there. The Russians fought like hell after the loss of those two settlements to hold on to that. I mean, it's a, it's a, obviously a right. You got this giant earthen mound with a railway track that commands both sides, even though the west is a higher ground than on the east, like you're not gonna want to lose that position. You know, you can just Huge, huh? yeah, you can just dig, dig guys in and mm-hmm. shoot down at people trying to approach it. It's naturally defensive line. So um they continue to push there. The big news for the Russians is they opened up this huge offensive to try and and I know this can be hard to follow. There's a big industrial I think pre-war was like 30,000 30, people. So about the size of, I think, you know, like Bakhmut-esque called Andrivka. And it's very close to the front in Donetsk City. It's got a big Coke plant. Um, I don't mean the kind you drink, but I mean like, you know, coal production and stuff like that. Anyway, a very industrialized um, settlement. And it's in this pocket um, and the Ukrainians have held it since this whole thing started. Um, and so the Russians are trying to close that pocket and cut off the Ukrainian forces that are in in that settlement. And my God, um, daytime assaults, columns of tanks and armored personnel carriers moving in single file. And I've just watched videos of them just get fucking hammered. Mm-hmm. And they've lost, what was I saying? There's been like, three times to three and a half times the amount of deaths um, over the last three days in the Russian army. They're losing like a thousand people a day again now. 
um, which is always kind of goes along with when they're doing offensives. Mm -hmm. So it's been like 3,000 uh, ish to 4,000 ish in the last four days now, and well over, I mean, close to 125 tanks, probably that same amount of armored personnel carriers. I mean, mm-hmm. just brutal. Yeah. I mean, just getting, just getting fucking slaughtered. Like, I, I, we were just saying, it's been almost two years, and I just can't wrap my head around, even though we've seen this happen again and again, just the pure lack of regard for your own people's lives and your fucking equipment like it just yeah they just throw away millions of dollars in equipment in people's lives like they don't matter it's just like you're a means to an end we're just going to keep slamming and pounding away so eventually you know we we can take this and it's just like for what that's the million dollar question yeah. I mean, that's the question that we've been asking ourselves for nearly two years. Like, what is this all for? What is, I mean, we, we, we can look at it from the strategic point. We can look at it from the political point. You know, we have answers for all of it, but it, it doesn't seem like the answers are good enough for the amount of, of human cost. The, the, it's it's funny, right? People look at it and they go, well, Russia's a bigger country. They have more manpower. They, There's no way Ukraine's going to beat them because they, of it. Yeah, but, but when you look at the population, like, the population is barely three to one if that mm-hmm. yeah and they're losing more than that in ratio of soldiers so they they're not they can't do they're not gonna win this it's not like they're attacking a country of four million people mm-hmm. right like ukraine i believe is like somewhere around 70 million people so you know like they've got lives to spare yeah um yeah it's it's shocking so that's the uh that's the update there. Very shocking to be honest with you. Um and then we go to Israel and Hamas. So it's been a week since the Hamas's surprise terror attack was we'll call it what it is. Uh this is this is kind of an interesting situation because so uh, I brought up my buddy that I talked to who is um from that region of the world and kind of Initially was saying, you know, well, you guys have a different, you know, you watch different media, so it's going to have a different spin. And and it's been interesting. It's gone in this place of actually the Western media I've been watching, uh, CNN, um, you know, like if I'm going to flip on something mainstream, I just pop, pop to them because they've, they've tried to kind of take like a right turn in terms of their coverage. Like I have noticed a lot more. Like, they interviewed Matt Gase the other day. Like, Republican leaders are going to, like, take interviews from them now because they've really made a push to kind of be more centrist. Um, all the people that, the people that, like, you know, who who are, who are the two guys that we were always talking, Don Lemon and um, who got let go. Oh, of, yeah, they were very much, like, left-leaning and very outspoken they were the shows. they were the answer that CNN came up with, with for Fox. Yeah, you know they're up uh, ed, they're up ed uh, lineup. The ladies the ladies who run the the prime time lineups are reporting the news and just asking questions, mm-hmm. basically, and yeah. and they'll pull a panel that's balanced. Yes, and then they'll have them talk about it. So, um, I've given it a bit more, a little bit more viewership than I used to, um, you know, and. What's interesting is, you know, there was a lot of reporting and support and, and you know, shock in terms of the, the terror attacks and what they did. And 
Um, there was a reporter who was on site that obviously wasn't going to show up, but was talking about how, you know, babies had been beheaded and killed in this one kibbutz. And then there was all this like, well, if you can't see pictures, it's not true. And this is trying to like swing the viewpoint. And then of course, CNN a couple days later, should blurred out pictures of slaughtered babies. Well, the Netanyahu administration actually put that out. Shot because there was some doubt, and we'll get into this probably further on. But there was some, there was there was there were starting to really doubt whether or not the the stories we were hearing, some of the more horrific stories, because it is almost unbelievable the horror of well, it. Well, I just actually were happening. It, so the Netanyahu administration I, I don't, put that. Out. I don't understand where people's minds do these. But if somebody's going to walk into a music festival. Mm-hmm. And start shooting people that are running across open fields like they're fucking animals who are shoulder to shoulder inside of a bunker and just toss grenades in there. Mm-hmm. That person's not going to have a problem fucking executing a baby. Well, yeah. I, I, I mean, get if you, that. If you, if I think you, everybody else gets that. If you can that. sit it's there just, and it's... look at a group of people's eyes huddled, scared, trapped in this space... And just callously open fire into them. Listen, man, I think that there was some <laughs> there was some fog of war around the music festival deaths too, because that happened. You know, I mean, you had the music festival, and then in close concession, in consecutive order, you had the invasion of southern Israel, right? Or the I mean, know, it was all part of the invasion it was all of part of it, Israel. but at the same time, those two things were almost separate. And the images that we were seeing early on, I mean, you saw some images of the music festival early because you're kind of keyed into some of these websites well, I'm not, I'm not yeah i'm not to. watching mainstream and so and, I, and I, i'm i'm not going to a lot of like sites and things of that nature so i'm watching a lot of it on tv or you know getting push notifications on my phone like hey this is happening so i saw hamas like go over the wall you know do the whole like on the military gonna, outposts and stuff yeah yeah we're gonna we're gonna bulldoze this wall down and guys are gonna flood the gap and the indiscriminate shooting they had in, in the streets that was my introduction, and I think that was a lot of people's introductions. The music festival, I mean, let's be honest, CNN was just running a special on that last night um, that you saw people running across the field, but I hadn't seen those images. Yeah, I mean, I, the, the one that they didn't show that they were talking mm-hmm. about in the last two days, I saw that video relatively, like, into the Hours first few days. Happened. Yeah, okay. I, I saw the guy who recorded from inside the bunker and people's bodies being blown. It's fucking disgusting. Yeah. So I don't think you go out and seek yeah, it. You're I, just like I, said, you're keyed I, into yeah, the Ukrainian into complex. It. I saw so it and I was like, it. oh my yeah. God. And you don't watch it again because you yeah. don't want to see it again. Or you stop it. You're like, I don't need to see any yeah. more of this. This is, this is horrific. Um, it's horrific. So so I think um, the, the concern was that like, oh, the West is going to be fully supportive of whatever comes. And interestingly enough, at least in the media that I've been watching... You know, you now have the U.S. trying to talk to Israel and say, you need to come up with a humanitarian corridor here because the, at least CNN, with their correspondence, they're talking to a lot of Palestinian people, journalists, uh, academics, civilians, you know, that are in Gaza and there are like little kids that are being blown up in these bombings. And, yeah, and I, mean, I think, every, I mean, those and images so, of entire city blocks being leveled. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and so... You know, in the in the hospitals and this reporter who, you know, works for BBC, who was connected to CNN, who just dropped to his knee and started sobbing at one point, you know, after he went through, you know, they just got people and kids in body bags outside the hospital because the morgue is overflowed. Well, there's like, also no power to those hospitals. The, yeah, so right. They exactly. So they can't people. save people's lives. Yeah. Um, so I'm just saying, if you are not in this part of the world and you're like, oh, the West is just blindly turning it, we're not. And and our media and our media is literally talking about like if this continues, 
Israel is going to lose the moral authority it had to respond to these terror attacks if the majority of people that they're killing indiscriminately are little children and old people and civilians. Okay, so I want to I want to I want to talk so, a little bit about that because there is um okay, so this is this is a little bit of an, a problem that I have with our society right now, which is image based, right? When we see, because of our phones, we look at photos, we look at headlines, but we typically don't read the articles or we don't really understand what these photos mean. So we've had the Secretary of State, Blinken, and we also had the Secretary of Defense, Austin, go to Israel and stand side to side with their counterparts. Well, Blinken was with Netanyahu. Right. Blinken was with his counterpart, or Austin was with his counterpart as a defense minister of, of uh, Israel. And to a T, each one of them, if you listened long enough, it wasn't just like an image, okay, yeah, you ha we have absolute support, right? U.S. is pledging absolute support for Israel, the right to defend themselves, the right to e even conduct military operations within Gaza. Yeah. But to a T, they all said the international rule of law must be followed. Yeah. Right? And so what we have is, let's give ourselves some time, under some time and understand what, what can... What can Israel do that's a proportionate response, which is weird to say, or, you know, obviously Israel has their own agenda. They know what they want done, right? right? Um, but we're trying to ascertain how far are they, are they going to go. Well, we, and let's be honest, we're doing that because the rest of the world is watching this well, and they're waiting in that region. They're waiting to see how far this goes. Right. Because that's going to determine whether or not Iran starts lobbying missiles over into Israel. Right. Or Hezbollah from the north is coming down. And and so I think we'll dig into this aspect, right? Like in our next chunk when we kind of dive into each section of it. But it's a great point because, um, you know, Bibi's got his own agenda. There's a lot of people. I mean, there's already protests in Tel Aviv going on about the leadership and how this could possibly happen. It was going and, on before. And people, well, yeah. And people, but like specifically, so like not everything is unified there. Or, and, and it just goes well, like. Israel is a complex people, society. Well, and it's a complex issue, right? Like, I'm just going to say this for myself. You can think that what happened to the Israeli civilians and the soldiers that were unarmed in the IDF, the victims of the Hamas attack from old to young, is fucking horrendous. And disgusting and barbaric and despicable. You can feel like Hamas is not an organization that should be allowed to continue to exist in a military capacity because this is clearly what they are about. When somebody shows you who you are, who they are, you believe them. Mm -hmm. So anybody who is for civilization and a civil society and peace would say that is an evil that needs to be eradicated. But you can also say that and be like, and I, I support the IDF in doing that, but also say, like you said, scalpel, not sledgehammer, because the majority of the 2 million people that are down there are not Hamas. They are Palestinians that are poor that just want to have a fucking shot at having a normal life, not poisoned water, uh, a chance to have a job, to well, do you're, something. You're getting this, and, 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 you're getting and, this and, as, and, that, that Hamas became came into leader, leadership via voting, right? Right. But you also have to finish the sentence. Hamas basically stayed in power because they shut down all opposition by gunpoint. Yes. Right? The moment they get, got power, they yeah. were like, all right, we're, that's it. Yeah. We don't need any more yeah, 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 yeah. We people, don't need yeah, any people, more people waiting people, on this. Yeah, people, this is now our yeah, power. Yeah, people want to sit there and say, oh, yeah, th this is what... No, once they got in, yes, they were elected. That was the mistake of the Palestinian people. But... 
regardless of that mistake, they didn't get a chance to correct that by vote because, yeah, by gunpoint, they've controlled everything and there have been no more elections. Or if they have, it has been a ruse and false and not legitimate. And so all we're saying is, is this is a complex issue. And it's like what we talked about last week. We shuddered at the thought of what was going to come. Everybody kind of knew this is what was going to come. And so I just to finish off our update, a large, large percentage of the Palestinian people have actually tried to get south of this demarcation line that the Israelis Most you know, have said. Just two yeah, roads going the UN, south. The UN has come out and said this is an unreasonable time frame and request. We've asked them to hold UNICEF, on. some other aid organizations down there said if they come in and they start just destroying everything, it's a war crime on the part of the on the part of the Israelis. That's that organization's opinion of what could possibly come. Okay. We're just reporting on what is going well, on. The, let's <laughs> let's report what the, the, the defense minister also said from Israel is that the rules of engagements would be suspended. There will be no trials. Yeah. Um, yeah. Israel, this, is, this is the one thing that Israel has been trying to do is hold accountable rogue IDF agents or, right. you know, uh, operatives. Like if they do shoot people indiscriminately in the streets, that there is some accountability. Yeah, this, this is, this is the danger of something like this. And the retribution is that like, all, they have, they all have I know is my themselves. blood would be up sincerely. Of course, which is, which and is, you're looking for vengeance. Which, which, yeah, which is dangerous. Cause then you go in there, you see, a little, and you, you if see you're not going to be held accountable, you see, see a little boy running across the street real quick. And it's like, enemy Oh combatant. yeah, it could have been an enemy combatant could have a thing. I'm just going to put it down. And so, and so that's what we're, that's the, that's the fear that the that's people the in, the, yeah, in the international community that is what is the concern, mm-hmm. right? Um, so you have these people trying to get south of here. You have the U.S. coming in saying, can, can you hold out a little bit longer? You have Egypt, who apparently, you know, talks a great game about being in solidarity with their Arab brothers and sisters, but they refuse, refuse to open their border, including to U.S. nationals that are trying to get out through that southern border. At, uh, I think it's called Rafah. Anyway. It's been under blockade since 2007. They don't allow anybody in or, or uh, in, yes, but nobody out. It's a it's a blockade. It's it's the so, sealed. It's sealed. They sealed their border, their northern border. Yeah, on so. The Gaza southern so, border. So people are not all clean in this any way you look at it, right? Because technically, you know, can we've you, been paying Egypt can, a long time. Can, to can, stay can, out of the can you can you imagine if Poland had sealed their border crossings to the Ukrainians when this war started, yeah. or the rest of Europe? You can't say that you stand with a group of people and then sit there and and trap them like rats. Well, let's be clear: Egypt Egypt hasn't said that they stand with the. I mean, at least in this particular conflict, they haven't. I'm talking about. I'm talking about metaphorically. It's always the Arabs versus the Jews. And this this group and it's well like, now it's Muslim versus Jews. I mean, the, it's right. This is so it's the, a it's a the it, point. Listen, but the, not not all Muslim. I just want to say this: yeah. not all Muslim nations or Arab nations. It's a, not a monolith either. It's not that right. They have the same. They all have the same. Obviously, opinion. Jordan has broke and said, "Hey, Israel actually has a right to exist." You see normalization. Democrat. Uh, dem- yeah, they were very. They're on the close with, with Saudi Arabia, Arabia coming up here. Um, yeah, I, I think this is probably going to set that back a bit. Or it could speed it up. We don't know. Or it know. could speed up. Yeah, we'll see what Especially happens. Especially if it's found out that Iran had any any yeah, anything. Saudi to do Arabia with this. is not fans. And the fact of... that Iran has had in the past, I mean, I think the estimates that I've read this week, they give about seventy million dollars a year to Hamas. And just so that we understand this, Hamas, 
controls roughly 80 square miles of Gaza. The West Bank is not controlled by Hamas. That's controlled right. by the PLO, right? right. Um, the Palestinian Authority, the Liberation Organization. Yeah, I think it's this is from Air, yeah. This is the the Arafat organization that has gone through a. I would say a massive, a massive re- undertaking, a, a rebranding. Because when, yeah. when Zach and I were talking about this week, this week when we were kids, this was Arafat. Yeah, they this were was, they were resistance. Yeah, this was uh, you know, Ar- and remember Arafat wins the Nobel Peace Prize for brokering a peace deal with I can't remember who was the. Israeli prime minister, and then the he, and then the and then the prime minister gets assassinated. Assassinated, yes, um, by radicals, yes. radical Israelis. Who, exactly on your own side. Yeah, you know, and this happens even in the that. Palestinian side yeah. as well. It's like no, there is there is there is a there is a group of people that are, that are determined to try to bring peace and some resolution to this conflict. And on both, I'm and I'm not trying to make a moral equivalence here. I'm just saying, historically speaking, people on both sides have a very uh, extreme response to that when yeah. when you're trying to actually resolve this issue, people on both the people in both cultures and societies are willing to do whatever it takes not to have that peace happen. Yeah, um, and that's 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 a sad paradigm that we have to we have to kind of navigate through. So thousands thousands of Palestinian civilians have been killed in this last week in the bombings. Whole city block streets have been leveled. It's just piles of rubble. Um, and we are probably, you know, a few days away from a full-scale ground, air, and sea offensive that's going to coordinate, that's going to at least move into northern Gaza. So we have to kind of wait and see what goes on from there. Um, Hamas, I, is, yeah. Hamas is still firing rockets. Um, yeah, and still trying to infiltrate in some areas. I don't know if Gaza... Gaza is not going to exist in the same state that it did no. prior to this. I don't know if... Now, remember... Also, Israel occupied Gaza for a long time. Yeah. And was it the Sharon government that basically said, hey, we're going to we're gonna leave. And we're going to leave because, uh, ironically enough, we're leaving because the West uh, was really at that moment trying to bolster a two-state, a two-state solution. Yeah. For people who don't know, a two-state solution is the Palestinian gets, they get land and the Israeli, Israel gets land. Yeah. The thing about it is, and this is the problem is that most of the land is going to come from Israel, right? You're not going to see Jordan. You're not going to see Lebanon give up any land to have a continuous mass of right. of land, so that Palestine has its own its own its own state. So, in order to basically broker a deal of like, hey, we're not even going to talk about that. They basically said we're going to pull out all all of our IDF uh, uh, military operations and stuff. We're going to pull out other occupation, so that at least they gave Gaza. To the Palestinians to government right. themselves. And then you had then you had the fundamentalists, the fundamentalists in the Jewish state, the settlers, mm-hmm. setting these settlements up where they it was illegal for them to do so, even brokered by that's their been, own country. That's been our that's been our existence for the last pretty much fifteen yeah. years. 10, 15 so anyway, years, yeah, that's that's where we're at with those three conflicts currently. So we're going to take a break, uh, then we're going to come back and we're going to. I mean, we already dug into it a little bit, but we're going to dig into you know the different aspects of all this and. You know, try and give uh, a picture from the American political perspective, the American public perspective, and then you know some of the perspective from some other you know outside uh, countries, nations in regards to Ukraine, how they see American leadership, how Americans see American leadership, um, and just some real jackassery on both sides of the extreme spectrum, and just dumb things that were said. All right, 
We will hit that when we come back. Welcome back to The Moderate Majority with James and Zach and our episode 17, Walking and Chewing Gum While the Bullets Fly. All right, so now we get to our main discussion. Um, I think one of the things that Jimmy and I were talking about kind of offline that we wanted to discuss a little bit with those of you who are still listening to this podcast. um, All two of you, thank you. Yeah, is kind of the extremism within both parties, right, in America and and where they kind of sit on this, right? So um, it's interesting, like with Ukraine, if you looked at the parties and their wings as like, a, you know, a metal rod, and if you were Superman, you were able to bend that back on itself to make a circle, the tips of those extremes would come down and, and touch each other, the, you know, the bottom of that circle, essentially, just bend that rod back on itself. And that's really what we see. And kind of for different purposes, right? Like, you know, with the the MAGA people, it's really led by, you know, their fearless leader, Donald Trump, who is very pro-Putin, very pro-Russia, you know, very anti-Zelensky, still upset that they wouldn't, you know... It was a know, perfect phone call. Yeah, they wouldn't hash up trumped-up charges on Biden the first time. And I think he feels like he probably lost the election because he couldn't get this guy that he saw as weak to go along with him. I'm not sure if he knows he lost the election, but... Yeah, he does. That's he, we, 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 we know for sure that he knows he lost the election. We know this at this point with Jack Smith and all the investigations that are going on. That, by the way, has also been put on the back burner with our press, which is was consuming the, the news daily here with, with the, the Israeli conflict. So there's there's a, that that's a worry too. But So my point being that like the MAGA wing of the Republican Party parrots you know putin and russian propaganda that Zelensky is a nazi which is absurd he's jewish um lost family members in the holocaust in world war ii um you know and it's don't why are we sending money over to these people we should be taking care of our own border um we've gotten into that before how stupid you know that whole thing is it's like i think we've spent maybe four percent of our defense budget to basically dismantle and bring down the entire Russian military system. And they are a they are a political and foreign threat. They have been since Putin revealed who he was um, well over a decade ago. Uh, and um, so, one, it's already budgeted for military defense. It's not like taxpayer money is going so, like we're pulling more money from taxpayers to go there. And a lot of the money that we have sent over there has been figures of value for equipment that has been sitting in parking lots and storage facilities over here that our, our military is never going to use because the next evolution of those AP, you know, those personnel carriers, uh, the artillery, those types of things um, have been... What you're saying is we have new generations. We have a new, yeah, we have new generations of those things. So you have the you have the far right that is against the Ukraine conflict for that, and then you have the far left, the progressives, who are against Ukraine because, uh, 
the Russian-Ukrainian war is actually started by America and NATO uh, because of our imperialist nature. Um, forget the fact that like we tried to broker deals and it was Putin who just decided to fucking invade this country on on his own, which, again, he has done in Georgia. He has done in the Caucasus. He has done over and over again and has written and talked about how he wishes a return for the old Soviet empire and Eastern Europe and the places they used to control. So the idea that like we're the only imperialists in history is fucking a joke. It's ridiculous, but this is what these people believe, and there's not a whole lot of knowledge. Well, there's also the world police aspect of that. that right. The progressives are, are, are really pushing back on. I mean, it has they're a lot against, to do with the imperialistic they're, they're, side they're, of it. They're, of they're against NATO. Uh-huh. They're against, yeah, they want us to go back to being isolationists. That's the one thing that they share. Yeah, is they both we, take, want, we, we retreat back to our borders, we take care of ourselves, we create a utopian society, and everything's going to be great. When, when, when the world was not when the world was not connected, you know, geo, geo-economically, geopolitically, geo-socially. And what I mean when I say those things is like the internet, social media. I have friends that I talk to because of stupid phone games. Like that are from all over the world. And some people that I still keep in contact with. Mm-hmm. Because of social media, I would have never met them any other way. And the, the, the buddy I talked to about the Israeli thing who is in that region through a game would have never would have never known each other and still talk, you know, English Premier League football and world events. Mm-hmm. Check in on each other. Different perspective. Yeah. Check in on each other. Um, so we're connected that way. We are. It's a global economy. We're connected economically to each other. People like to ratchet up you know, the China and the America thing. And, and and there's a lot that you can talk about in terms of the posturing there and the ratcheting up. But these two countries are connected to each other economically, at the hip, mm-hmm. literally. Mm-hmm. Um, and the political ramifications of, you know, the postmodern kind of world order falling out of World War II, you, you can't open that bag up and then just be like, oh, yeah, we want to put it back. It's never going back. It's never going to go back. And if you choose to pull out of it, you will leave a vacuum and somebody else will take your spot. And is that somebody who is going to have as much care and concern and a level of balance as, as level of balance as a nation state's going to take? Right. Like, I'm just going to come out and say this now. Nation states are always going to broker things to their advantage. As they should. Just like a human being. But as they should. Who wants they represent to, yeah, a, a, yeah, a who, particular who, population yeah. at a time who, who wants... and a space that they have the right to negotiate right. or to, or to and listen, we can, well, go ahead and finish your thing. Yeah, so, 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 I, I, so I was just going to say, you know, that is the nature of any nation state or political organization. It just is. So for progressives. It's called self-interest. Yeah, yeah. For progressives to sit there and say, you know, oh. This wouldn't happen if America would just... No, that's bullshit. Putin would then just unfettered go take whatever he could. China would take whatever they could. There are going to be other forces that rise up. Iran to take whatever they can. North Korea as well. There are, there are bad faith actors in the world who are authoritarian and take by power 
and killing, and the resistance means you die or you rot in a prison somewhere. What Zach is painting a beautiful picture of is a world of conflict, World War, world war Three at that point. Right. That if we don't have a particular order, because let's, let's be honest, guys, we, we don't have a, an international body that oversees all nations. We have the thing called the United Nations where we're supposed to go and air out our grievances. And, and, and much of that has been gamed out by the superpowers. I'd agree. You know, it's it, superpowers aren't going to allow, well, there's only one superpower, but the powers that be, you know, the ones that are on the security council, they're not going to allow things that, like Russia has blocked how much from the UN because they said they have a permanent veto at the UN. Right. We have never created as as a species a international organization that nation states are freely going to give up almost any of their power to. Right. It's a race. Right. It's always been an arms race. It's always been a resource race. It's always been a means of tapping into what it goes back to what your ideas are on human nature and your understanding and the reading of of history. Right. That there's limited resources that I have access to. There's limited monies that I can get by selling those resources. And I need to get more resources and more and more and more. And yeah, I don't like that aspect of human society. I don't like that aspect of a human being, of selfishness, self-centeredness, and self-interest only. Those people who you have in your life who are like that, you typically don't have in your life for very long. But at the same time, collectively, history tells us that this is this is a pretty weird system of nation state against nation state. It's it's a it's a race for resources and a race for power and influence, whether that be hard power, military, or soft power, money and intelligence and, and covert operations. Until we can think of another paradigm, we're stuck in this one. Yeah, I mean Joe, we, we were talking about this offline. History, obviously, current, current, not the a current American public because they're so ass backwards and where they get their news and where their head is and the talking space that it's in. But history will look back and Joe Biden will probably be known as one of our strongest foreign policy modern American presidents. His entire career was around. And, and, and why I say that is is you can agree or disagree, you can come from a different perspective. But what Russia would be doing in the east of Europe and in Ukraine had Biden not brought together NATO and strengthened the resolve of Germany and England. And however we had to do that with whatever deals were made behind closed doors to supply certain things and the Eastern European NATO bloc countries, that has Ukraine, that has given Ukraine a fighting chance to win this war and an upper hand, that in turn was a domino effect that blocked and stopped China from moving into Taiwan because a fractured West would have given no resistance and it would have been something they could easily do on their own without any resistance. They watched the resistance. You have two American aircraft carrier groups off the, in the Eastern Mediterranean now offshore you have a total of six over there right now. Yeah, okay, so like six now. Yeah. And they're, and they're checking and, it and, 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 and England is moving a fleet. Of, like, yeah. the, you literally have NATO standing outside, making sure that all hell doesn't break loose so that this doesn't turn into a wider conflict. And that's pushing levers on both sides to try to negotiate or make sure it stays contained. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. For right or wrong, that's what you want. 
you, if you have to be that, but like, if it's not us, then who's going to do it? And right now the answer would be nobody or countries that you wouldn't want to be in that role in that position. And so when people don't understand that there is evil, when your whole mindset is everything that this president does is bad, no matter what, because I don't like him. And because the news I watch doesn't like him or, or my political philosophy doesn't care. for Yeah. Or yeah. Or, or, or that like, you know, the imperialistic past or continual continued imperialistic nature of this or that you are looking at something in a black and white spectrum. We are saying that all these issues in foreign policy are deeply complex and are we hitting all of them? No. So if you want to cherry pick what I'm even saying right now, I'm sure you can sit there and be like, well, that's a very pro this. Yeah, I do have a bias. I come from, I come from this sphere of the world. But what I'm saying is they're not black and white issues. You can't just say, and people who respond in black and white ways, they never survive. And they always bring about violence and death and sorrow and tragedy historically speaking so you have that but you also have people that don't understand what's going on jimmy was looking up a poll a recent poll here and i went back and looked up the most recent poll so this was a poll on americans and how they feel about biden's response to israel in this conflict it's seven days old he made a statement completely standing with israel the first day they immediately got shit over there that Bibi and the Israeli government was asking for. 52% of Americans disapprove of Biden's handling of Israel, yet two-thirds of Americans want Biden to do exactly what he's doing. So two-thirds of Americans asked him, this is what you need to do. He already did it. And 52% are against what he's doing. It makes no sense. And it's true with Ukraine. 53% of Americans disapprove of Biden's handling of Ukraine. But when we look at the polling in the countries that are in the regions of where these conflicts are, or the, or the countries themselves, 71% of, of Ukrainians approve of the U.S.'s leadership, meaning they approve of what Biden is doing in regards to their conflict. 71%. Israelis, it's somewhere north of 70%. We were just talking, you can see on the news, there's billboards of Biden, President Biden's face that says, thank you, President Biden in America for standing with us. So if you care about those places, if you think they're worth saving, maybe look at the people who are receiving the aid in the way that they see our leadership in that situation, Poland, who is be a huge ally with the Ukrainians and in this fight, 83% of Poles have a favorable view of our president. Mm -hmm. Germany, upwards of 70%. And the list could go on. Mm -hmm. Everybody outside this country seems to have a better understanding of what our leadership is doing and the value of what our leadership is doing and how important it is than we do as an American public. And that's really, really fucking disheartening. And I know that this isn't the first time we said that when we did our Ukraine special, we did polling at the beginning and it was ass backwards too. It's just stunning how fucking ignorant we are because we can't pull our fucking heads out of what team we're on.
We have the luxury. Or, 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 or where, yeah, and we have that luxury, right? Like where, where we get our news from and refuse to like be like, this could be wrong. We might be, we might be, that somebody might be lying to us. This could be propaganda to get my vote. Maybe I should look logically at this situation. So we have a real issue with our extremes. And if we, and if I jump real quick over to the Israeli conflict, you have Donald Trump because of Biden's support of Israel. And it was so profound and you really can't skewer it. Although Ted Cruz tried to. Ted Cruz tried to come out at a fundraiser based off of a podcast he was doing to say Biden, it, it's, it's despicable that Biden hasn't made a statement. He put this out there. He was fact-checked and said literally Biden made a statement within X amount of hours. And he responded to that fact-checking by saying, sorry, fact-checkers, you got this one wrong. Even though there was a link put out by the fact, multiple links to the fact-checkers where you could see the video footage of the speech the timestamp of it. It's just like reality doesn't matter anymore. And because he made that 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 critical of a statement, what does Trump come out with the other day? Hmm. Hezbollah's got some really intelligent, smart people. They got some really good people over there. Hmm. And and Bibby's an idiot. And Israel can't believe they got the their wool pulled over their eyes. What a bunch of buffoons. Hmm. So You've got the leading candidate for the Republican ticket supporting and praising Hezbollah and Hamas and disparaging the leadership of Israel. And there's a lot to disparage, but when your people get slaughtered, that's not the time that you don't disparage that aspect. Does Bibi, is there a lot to do? Yeah, we, I could disparage Bibi all day long about the authoritarian undertones trying to suspend the courts all the fucking authoritarian shit he was doing over there before this. And <laughs> I think he sees this as his get out of jail free card. I'm not going to go down that road because there's too much for us to talk about. Oh, and yeah. the, fa- the fact that this guy, this guy never wanted a two state solution. So eradicating, you know, that aspect is something that he's always wanted. This is the moment he was waiting for mm-hmm. to have the green light. And that's why America and American generals who have been interviewed know that this could be really bad. Because this is what this guy's been... This is the, the cause, the, the trigger that he's been waiting for to bring about that vengeance full scale so that Gaza doesn't ever look the way that it did before. So that the status quo never changes. But I, I go back to... And then you have a radical left progressive movements that are celebrating an imagery... You know, I'm going to call it out. doesn't matter. BL, some chapters of BLM with the Hamas guys on the hang gliders and, and posting, you know, on social media support for that. Literally posting the support of guys landing near a music festival and slaughtering people that were there to dance and uh, around the idea of peace. Maybe, maybe do your fucking research. And then once, once they found out that was, that was the backlash came in swift they like er- erased it and changed their wording. We apologize for the post we made. Just it's like the Democratic Socialist, you know, Association holding this rally in Times Square. That was name stamped by like AOC, Talib, Ilhan Omar. There was one other progressive guy from New York, um, and then had people up on stage that were laughing about the slaughter. 
And then people in the crowd started chanting. At that point, they thought there was about 700 Israeli civilians that had been killed, chanting 700. Now, to the credit of the people, three of the people that I named, Cortez, somebody else, they all came out and were like, you know, we don't condone, like, any of that was abhorrent. Like, nobody should celebrate the slaughter of civilians. But, like, again, if you're going to attach your name to something then you need to like fucking do some betting on who's getting up on your stage. And if that's the kind of shit, you need to shut it down. Because I go back to it. It's the company you keep. If I'm going to hold the far right and the authoritarian, you know, magnazis to that, the progressive left needs to be held to that too. And I'm just thankful in terms of my spectrum that it's such a smaller fringe of the party that I associate with. That I, I you know, and I said to James... If they don't come out and condemn that and say something, and if they continue with that shit, they should. Be, they, our conference, the Democratic conference, should expel them. They have no business being in the conference. I don't want to be. I don't want that to be the company that I keep. Omar then just recently stepped in it again and said that there's ethnic cleansing going on. Now, could that happen? It might. But I think she's referring to the occupation. She's no, she's talking about right now forcing people out of these areas, these civilians out, is ethnic cleansing. Yeah, that, 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 was, that was her comment. And I want to say to her, I grew up and came of age while ethnic cleansing was going on in the Baltics. Mm-hmm. And it was lining people up behind high schools and executing them in mass and then burying them in mass graves. And then when all those people were murdered and killed and driven off, then bringing in your own people to settle into those homes and take them over. Here, you will live here. Ethnic cleansing is going on in Ukraine right now. There are mass graves that, until the Russians lose that territory, we will probably, I mean, Mariupol is going to be an ethnic cleansing on a level that I don't think this world can comprehend. You're talking about over six figures in terms of human beings that were fucking slaughtered. And they have just moved Russians in, rebuilt new apartments. So... That's my piece, Jimmy, to the American perspective of this and the and the wings of these parties and the things that the abhorrent things that are coming out. And I just want people to realize that when those extreme wings, they are more aligned than you think. So it's like we need to cut them off <laughs> and just leave them in the dredges where they belong with a lack of understanding of foreign policy, of countries, of what civilians are going through. Because again, you can support and want to help the Palestinian civilians, the poor people that are not connected to Hamas, right? And be and try to be like, these people should not be killed. What can we do to save them in this situation? And not be like, because I want to do that, Hamas is awesome and fuck Israel. You know, that we just were talking, a Stanford professor just lost it their job because they went on this pro rant of the resistance, you know, and trying to focus on the Palestinian, the history of that, that subjugation over there. And then in the same speech, in the same discussion with the class tried to downplay the Holocaust. I don't see how those two things are combined. It's this black and white thinking. Well, if I stand for this, then all this other stuff must be bullshit and just diminish it. And it's just, not fucking reality. And that's why it's complex. And that's why war is fucking horrible. 
That's why authoritarianism is horrible. And that's why what happens when the dividing line comes down and people have to feel like they have to pick a fucking side and you need people outside of the, outside of the forest, right? Not being able to see the, the forest for the trees or the trees for the forest or however that line goes. You need people on the outside who are measured who are like, whoa, 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 hold on. Like, we need to look at this. But these extremists in our own political spectrum and they're just complete ignorance is fucking appalling and it's not going to help anybody, much less the American people to understand what's going on. Right? An inability to walk and chew gum while the bullets are flying. Yeah. Yeah. And we, and our election coming up is going to determine whether we can continue to be that good faith actor that's going to be able to fight against all this authoritarianism, this conflict that's rising up. Can we help hold it together? Well, we already know the dude who's leading on the other side is just fucking crazy. And I want to say this too. There has been a lot of pain and suffering and sins committed against the Palestinian people for a long fucking time. We mentioned that last time. But Hamas does not give a fuck about these people. We talked about that earlier. Like when you're like, no, stay, stay, don't leave. This is our land. Mm -hmm. You just want people to fucking be there so you can hide amongst them, hide behind them. You have no care for whether they die or not. Because for, for, for Hamas, every Palestinian death, every kid that's killed is just, um, uh, it builds up momentum for their cause is the way they see it. Maybe we can rally up and rise up in this worldwide jihad. I don't know. Yeah. That's, that's my thought. That's my thought with the American perspective of our political, I mean, what do you, what are your thoughts with that? You know, with, well, I don't think anybody, I, I, I just would push back on an element. I don't think anybody's stupid. I think what it's dependent upon what your ideology allows for. And, and, and I think that if you look at, if you look at the <laughs> ideology of, let's say in the context of the Israeli Palestinian um, war that's going on right now is you've had for a very long time more and more criticism sneak into our political discourse about um, about Israel and how they've treated the Palestinian people and it's been a cottage industry I mean you've had reams of books uh, written about these things and it's fine I mean that's you you it's not like you know they're short on grievances and they're not they're, and they're not short on on real life happenstance and and, and history that those grievances are just completely debunked, but the, the IGL, and you can have, and I think you can simultaneously have the position that you, that you, you've laid out where you can sit there and say, you know, I feel for the Palestinian people. I really do. But and uh, just like I feel for the Russian people, you know, I don't, I, I mean, I, I feel really bad that a, a Russian family is going to probably give a, a one to two family members or already have to this conflict. I mean, I, I can be a human being and, and, and have empathy for that, for that paradigm. But the question is, is does, and, and that empathy is great to have as a human being, we should have more of it, but does our empathy then carry over to a point where we have a quasi political slash military group like Hamas? And let's be honest, it's, it's been, it's been deemed a terrorist organization by the methods in which they employ to carry out their war, right? 
Um, and I think we talked a little bit about how Hamas is a terrorist organization. There was no, they were not going to try to take land from Israel. They weren't going to try to hold positions. They simply went in to, and, and, and uh, broke the peace and started killing civilians. It was about body count. That's a terrorist, that is a terrorist uh, uh, situation, that is a terrorist act. You're not doing it for military reasons, you're doing it for political reasons. The only way you can fight back is by means of terrorism. I'm sorry, I can't support that. My, uh, my ideology cannot support that. But if you've created an ideology for yourself, like a progressive has, in terms of having empathy for somebody, and it then carries over to the actions of Hamas, that is a terrorist organization, it walks like a duck, it talks like a duck, it kills ducks, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. in terms of just being a terrorist organization, then you need to really probably rethink your political ideology. Because you should not be able to... I can empathize with a lot of people, but when you're, when you're empathizing and then trying to then reason your way out of a fucking wet paper sack of Hamas's actions were legitimate, or were legi legitimate means to counteract Israeli quote-unquote occupation... I'm sorry, man. It's like those two things aren't the same. Yeah. Just to push back on your pushback. Not that I want to stay in, that, pushing back? in that space. Well, you said you, you were talking about. I don't I, think they're stupid. No, I no, think I, what they I, are is they're I, misplaced I, and misguided. I, 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 do, I do think it's stupidity because we have all the information in front of us. It's where we choose to look and where we choose to put on blinders. Like, for instance, the guy who started. I, I the, agree with that. The guy who started the Young Turks. Is now running on the Democratic ticket, yeah, it's a joke. and and he put out this huge, you know, rah rah rah, you know, anti-Israel stuff with this going on. That was his first big statement. And if you think just because that falls into your category of like the resistance and being young and looking not at the mainstream thing that is the old elite that wants to keep you down, and you just buy it, you are a fucking moron. Like, if I sit there and I'm going, well, man, you know, that's the new age, like, Robert Robert Kennedy Jr., like, oh, yeah, like, no, that's, I, I, yeah, I mean, he's saying some good stuff, and, you know, he represents this, like, so, yeah, I mean, that, I call myself a, a progressive in certain things, too. You're a fucking idiot, and, and I, I'm sorry, like, that I have to get to this point, but, like, if 66% of you are, like, fucking, we need to support Israel the way that Joe Biden, this country, is currently supporting Israel, and then 52% of you are saying... But fucking Joe Biden's doing a horrible job at doing exactly what I want to do. You're a fucking idiot. You are an... I don't know how else to, like, say it. I don't like, think it's idiocy, dude. I think that... It's but not it's, like, but, it's, but it's here's the problem. It's not like the progressives are wrong with their data. It's uh, not like... I, I will say that, like, even the Republic... Okay, so let's, let's look at the... Let's take it out of Israeli and, and Gaza. To, to me, let's look at Russia and Ukraine. I'm just saying, to me... It's it, not a, it's not to a me, stupid... idiot only looks at one piece of the pie. I agree, That's what I'm saying. I, I agree with that, but I think it's like... It's a narrow definition of, of stupidity. I really think. Oh, that. oh no, of course. I and I don't. What, I, don't what, what I'm trying, I just don't want to. I just want to put that. Listen, this is what I'm trying to say. I don't want anybody to think like, okay, I disagree with you. You're fucking stupid. No, it's like you have it. Like, let's look at. The, let's take it out of the realm of uh, Israel and Gaza. Let's look at the 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 conservative viewpoint. Is we can't have support for Ukraine anymore. We just can't because we can't afford it because of the southern border. We need to spend our money elsewhere. We need to spend our money here. Okay. That's that. That's not a conversation I'm not willing to have. But you better bring up a better reason than we can't walk and chew gum at the same time. We can't secure our southern border and simultaneously help Ukraine out. Like, do you see what I'm saying? That, There's that, obviously that, more going on. Yeah. So let's have that conversation. And as that conversation begins to to take hold, it, 
this is my problem is that people can't identify bad fucking arguments. Right. No, that, okay. And that, it's not out of stupidity. They no, just don't, we just don't allow for but, confrontation but, but, but in, but our, that, in our political but that, system. That's my point, right? Is like all of this takes it's all complex and it requires nuance. But I think we would agree. But I think we would agree that all idiots lack nuance. That's that's literally what makes them idiots. So I'm not disagreeing that they're they're stupid uh, people. I'm saying it's just not driven by. If I need to say that the response is idiotic, then I'll you know whatever I can. No, I'm not trying. I can see that. But I'm just saying you've you've described people that you've talked to. Those are morons. They don't know anything. But that's what, But the, these are the people that are responding. But they to have these, as many. They have just they're, as they're, much. They're voting every single time, and they're responding to yes, these polls every single time. That's it's not I'm, responding. They have an opinion on something. I, I'll give a quick anecdote. It's not. It's going to be generalized. It's not going to be personal. I've had people walk up to me this week who couldn't pick Israel off a map. They couldn't point to it on a map. They don't understand the contextualization of of the conflict. They don't realize that you know. I've had people in my personal life who, who have, and who are younger, who are in their twenties, who've reached out and who are absolutely frightened of this. Yeah. And you're sitting there going, okay, well this, and I, don't get me wrong. I'm frightened as well. Spillover conflicts. I've been talking about a spillover conflict a long, a long time, time with Ukraine. Yeah. Yep. And how many more spillovers can we have? Right. Yeah. This is, I, I personally believe I have no data to prove this, but I'm going to keep an eye out for data that actually shows that these two conflicts might be linked by various I'm sure. nefarious agents like Russia they, and Iran. There's more revelation um, that Russia may have more to do this than they Well, thought. I mean, listen, we failed to realize that Russia did, in fact, send the Wagner group to do what? Train a lot of the Hamas fucking yep. soldiers. There you go. You know what I mean? So this isn't happening in a vacuum. This no. isn't just like, this guy's doing this, this guy's doing this. This this is all interconnected. We've been interconnected for a long time. But I will just say, and, and it's self-interest. Like, we talked about good and evil. Take it beyond the idea of good and evil, not to do the Nietzsche thing, but to say that these are these 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 opponents of what our worldview is and what our world order has been since World War II. They obviously look at it very differently. China and Russia are actors who are behaving against the world order that we've established, we've benefited from. And listen, we look at it as like, what the fuck's your problem? You've benefited from this too. A lot of too. people have benefited from it as well. So, but the thing about it is, is for some reason, power is intoxicating and everybody fucking wants it. Yeah. I don't know, but that's the best that's answer a, I got for human, you That's today. a human condition. But what I'll say is, in terms of, of uh, people who have an opinion on things that they don't know anything about, that is my problem. That's what I think is stupidity, is when I have to deal with people from my job or even in some, some aspects of my personal life who are like... You know, dude, I just think what the Israelis are doing is just fucking stupid. Or I have people calling me up going, dude, Israel should just turn fucking Gaza into a parking lot. And you're like, yeah, that's overly simplifying and oversimplifying genocide at that point. Yeah, that's, that, and that's, what I'm, that's what I'm trying to get at. But right? I don't think that what we saw this week in terms of bad act. Listen, that guy from Stanford, you can have those ideas. But when facts come into being and you are challenged on those facts, have a better argument than and I'm oversimplifying this argument, that the Holocaust wasn't a big deal. Because most of us think that it was a pivotal moment in our well, human history. Uh, yeah, I mean, right? Like, I mean, the word genocide if, if fucking you, comes if from what it. what you saw happen to those Israeli civilians, babies, the festival goers, the international community people that died, and you thought that was an atrocity, and then you can turn around and look at a bunch of dead Palestinian little kids in flattened neighborhoods who have nothing to do with Hamas. And that doesn't move you. There's something wrong with you and your perspective. 
you can't call the slaughter of innocents on one side on one side, side a, a, a tragedy, a tragedy one is a because that's how you that you are now a step closer to becoming to committing atrocities yourselves so there are some and pro- so, there are some progressives so, that have that have made that nuanced argument like right. listen we just don't want any of this to happen but here here's the rub and this is the dirty little secret that no one's going to tell you is shit like this does happen yep. and it was when shit like this happens you got to and listen you don't have to choose a side we're we're comfortable we have a beautiful day out today. No one's fucking shooting at us. We don't have to worry about suicide bombers. In America, we can have these luxurious kind of conversations, these, these ideas of, hey, you know what? Well, we don't have mass shootings basically every day, but yeah, yeah. If you're not in that area. What I'm saying right. is like, we have a lot to worry about, but it's not necessarily one of those things that like, I have an entire group of people who are organizing against my very existence. Yeah, no, we just kill, we just kill ourselves. We just have lone, we have lone wolves who like to just uh, play a video game and count fucking, you know, count body counts. But my, what I'm saying is I think that there, how can I say this? There is a nuance and there is, this is, I lost my train of thought when I opened up the whole fucking lone gunman thing. So just continue. No, no, no. I, I, no, I don't know what the fuck I was even talking about. I'll, I'll let you, you, you I'm going to go back so you no, can, I, I, so I you can bring I, it back around. But I was going to. I just, my only problem is, is like, I just think it, it just, it's oversimplifying calling. And I'm not saying you were doing this. I think there's good arguments on the other side. I think, and not, not on the Palestinian side, but I think there's just really good arguments in terms of, hey, listen, this is atrocity. We want peace. But when the, when the bullets start flying and you've got to pick a side, you have to pick a side. And the United States has to pick a side in this measure because we are talking about it. This is what I was talking about. We were talking about a region that kind of dictates that we have to have a position in. Of course. And to sit there and say, well, as an individual, I'm not choosing a side. I think killing people is killing people and it's all bad. Yeah. Well, that's great. You have the fucking luxury yeah. to do that. But a nation state that has a lot of interest in the resources that come from this region, have a lot of interest for security reasons, have a lot of interest because... Listen, we also have, in my opinion, some really good people here that don't want to see people kill each other, but we realize they're going to because we don't have any control over it. Yeah, it's like it's... We have to take a side. It's uh, Yeah, and if you have a nation state that is democratic in its nature, whether people make... The people there make poor choices, like, right, we we make poor choices here, um, and you're going up against a terror organization that operates that way... The, the answer is always going to be the democratic nation state. But you have to, you once you make that decision, though, or you take that stance, if you are trying to be a good faith actor and arbitrator, you have to try to keep things within the bounds of it not getting out of control where you are on the wrong side of something. Is we are the insurers of the world order. Right. Us and our allies, the United States and the allies that and, we have, and what I'm military is, allies, we ensure that... That we try to ensure that genocide doesn't, doesn't occur, and doesn't when it occur. does happen, as it happened in Africa, uh, in, in what was going in Rwanda, you know, we were really slow to react. And and no offense, like we took it on the chin. The United States took it on the chin yeah. for that, and a lot of our allies, and a lot of the and that's well, when they, people start questioning. Oh my God, this world order isn't doing anything for anybody. It's not doing anything well, if, for if anyone. Well, if you look a certain way, or you don't have the monetary. Let's take a look about be before value. this particular world order actually existed. It did bring in a genocide. Right. Six million Jews yeah. were fucking killed. Yeah. It brings in a lot of battles. It brings in wars. How many since since the post World War II order actually was established? How many wars were fought before versus after? Right. And I'm sorry, it's just no fucking contest. Yeah, and for people to sit there and say they don't know, or say that this is such a terrible system, 
we listen. We don't have. We talked about this with vaccines, and I know this is going to be a silly connection. I know. I mean, we had grandparents who were fuck. You know, diphtheria killed my great uncle. Yeah. Right. So yeah, my grandparents were lining up for any fucking vaccine that were out there because they had, they had the actual memory of people dying from common shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That we've conquered now. Yeah. The same thing goes with history. When you have not been touched by it, when you have not been touched by war or displaced by a conflict or anything like this, then you tend to, right? You right. tend to forget. You don't have that memory. You don't because you have to read in books and intellectualized. Look at all these fucking wars that were that were fought in, you know behind us in our history versus what we have to deal with now. And since when were we ever guaranteed a perfect fucking world? Yeah, never. And 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 nothing plays out like a movie. The only, the point I think I was trying to get Sorry to is no. And you made a great point in terms of being, you know, the insurer of those things not happening and getting out of hand, because in World War Two they did, right? Yeah, they did. Yeah. So because there was no world world order to guarantee that it wouldn't. And then there was an overcorrection and like you know. Vietnam and and Korea with some of the post Cold War stuff. We've lost which, our ass on some which of that which shit. I'm which I'm not going to get into right now because we don't have that time or that breath. But what I was trying to get at is when that is the position that you hold, that you've been that you put yourself into or took the reins of, in history and are now there, you have to make sure that you have intelligent, measured people, who understand nuance, and do not react. Like just like whipping the gun out from the you know, side of the hip and firing before asking questions, you can't have idiots. You can't have threats to democracy and the threats to that world order. Which there is one who's going to be running and probably get the nomination of the Republican Party, and military people that served under him, and people in the State Department, are, and people in his own party are screaming, "Do not let this man back in, or it is over." And what I'm saying is. It's important to me to, I, I can be frustrated and say that, like, if you have information in front of you and despite the facts, you still say something like if you're like, I want Israel supported by America through A, B and C. And then I watch on TV for the next seven days, America is doing A, B and C. And then somebody calls you and says, do you approve of how the president is handling no. support of Israel? And you say, no, you're an idiot. Because you are taking something that's emotional from somebody feeding you a point of view. Well, people aren't having their own point of view. And and like so, but yeah, to me, those are, if you don't have your point of view and you are falling, you're a sheep. You are just a sheep. And that's what I'm trying to say. And so many sheep vote. And so many people that do have a point of view and do are so discouraged by everything going on that they don't vote, which is crazy because yeah, we need those people to vote. And I'm saying like, I'll take it a step further back. If you're, if you can't afford to put clothes on the back of your kids and feed them or pay rent and the president oversees and comes up with legislation, the idea to get checks into your pocket every month. And then all of a sudden you are, and then they ask you after six months, did you approve of that legislation and what the president did right there? And you're like, doing interviews like this is saving my ass and then you go no you're an idiot like you if you are making decisions regardless of the facts that is idiotic that is stupid and if you're so blinded by a color or a letter next to a name or i have to watch and only listen to this one channel and you just 
feed off of it and it stays in your space, then reconfirms what you know, despite the landscape in front of you. Like we talked about that, right? Like in the messaging episode in, in season one. I don't give a fuck how shiny and great the Las Vegas sign is. If it tells you to run and jump and you go look over and you see it's a 500 foot drop with rocks at the bottom that are jagged. I don't give a fuck what the sign tells you to do. Respond to what's in front of you, the information in front of you. If I run and jump on this, I'm going to fucking die or be paralyzed or brain dead. Oh, but you know what? The sign says do it. So fuck it. Here I go. Like that's an idiot. You would watch that and be like, if you talked to him and said, dude, don't jump. Look down there gonna kill you oh, i know but this sign uh, it's the way to go it never leads you stray man well i agree with the sign and, and i agree with this i agree with everything else the sign has told me to do so here i go Listen, you'd be like my, Dude, that person that person something was uh, there was a screw loose in their head right my, my last word on this matter is going to be this i i agree there's a lot of stupidity in our political system by people who are given either no information or wrong information that have just as much say as people who are informed and informed people can have honest disagreements. Of course. But on this particular issue of Israel-Gaza war, and my progressive friends on the other side who are, or who are on on the left side of the spectrum, but on the very far left where most people can't see them anymore, it's, and I think this is going to be a watershed moment for the progressives to have to really navigate through, and they're not doing a very good job of it right now. Um, maybe they will. It's just this, man. Here, here's the thing. Zach said it earlier. There's, there were, there has been atrocities on both sides. There has been a really, but it's, I'm not giving any moral equivalency. I want to just say this. There has been bad things happening on both sides of this paradigm for a very long time. And if your only position is that I'm supporting the Palestinian people because they have been downtrodden and they've been shit on and Israel is the cause of this and the world order as it, as it, as it stands now supports the uh, oppression and the marginalization of Palestinian voices so that they can't be heard. That's, that's, that's fine. You can have those, you can have those beliefs and you can have evidence that says this, what you believe is possibly true. But when I ask you what the fuck you're going to do about it or what's your position on what should be done. And your only thing is I'm going to support Hamas in this atrocity. You can fuck all the way off. Yeah. I, I, you're not even a serious actor at that point. In fact, you're, 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 you're morally fucked at that point. If you can look at this as saying Hamas is just doing what they have to do, then you can, you can fuck all the way off yeah. because I'm not going to accept that as that's not political. That's not a political movement. That's not a speech. Um, that's not, that's not going to render anything but death upon people who are in Gaza, people who don't support Hamas and Israelis who are going to have to go in there and, and do the bidding of trying to eradicate Hamas from the political fucking conversation. I don't like Bibi either. I don't like Netanyahu either. I don't, I don't align myself politically with Netanyahu if I'm looking at his policies. He's an authoritarian. But you know, guess what? In a nation state, there's a lot of Israelis that don't either. He didn't win an over-resounding amount of... And I do want to push, yeah, push on he, that. So even the percentage. It's not a fucking winner-take-all system, guys. It's yeah. a parliamentary system. So those of you who don't know, he didn't receive like 60% of the fucking vote. He received a very, he received a very small majority of the vote, which allowed him to then make a, coalition. make a coalition government. If you don't know how that works, then shut the fuck up and learn what a parliamentary system is. There we go. Okay. Falls back to my idiots. But what I'm saying <laughs> in terms of progressive, what the progressive response has been for this has been... I think it's been all over the place. Early on, it was it came out pretty hard against Israel, and in support of a terrorist act. 
if your political philosophy allows you to support terrorist acts, then I'm sorry. I just can't follow you there. And guess what? Nobody's going to. Yeah, there, there's... Or the majority of people won't. And Because I don't want to be an Israeli. I wouldn't want that happening in my neighborhood either. I, I can see somebody I can see somebody listening to this right now and going, okay, well, boys, if you're so big on that, what is the solution for hey, yourselves? Right. So one of the things I was going to say is, um, and I would, my response to that is, I'm not making that statement at this point because I need to do some more homework on... Well, on the history well, and the back and forth, but I, I but think a two state solution is, is something that we all would, uh, yeah, we all went I, for. I, 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 and like we said last week, I in agree. my opinion, I think that's dead in the fucking grave. Right, great. yeah. That, so, but well, we ne- we're going to have to rethink of what's going to come up with there, another solution. What I was going to say is there are Palestinians who live in Israel proper and get along and do well and thrive, and there is actually. You know, an understanding and a. There's an article right now in the New York Times about Palestinians living in Israel being fucking wary of this conflict. Right. Because they realize, dude, that's their brothers and sisters on the other right. side of the border. But at the same time, their own livelihood, their own family lives amongst the Israelis. Dude, could you imagine having to escape that? Could you right. imagine trying to have to right. understand, I'm here and I have no problem with my Israeli brothers and sisters, but I have a bit, you know, and I have no problem, and my Palestinian brothers and sisters are back here, but right. fuck, I'm in this no man's land of like, you know, you might have people look at you a little funny, like, what right. the fuck, bud? But like, but, like, there's never issues there outside of those types of stressors, right? And so, and I'm talking about, like, coming to blows. So, there's got to be some, there's got to be some space where these people can, these folks can be through self-determination, but then also have to make sure that in that self-determination, there's a fair shake given with access to the things that you need to be able to survive and function so that there's not a 70%, you know, unemployment rate and people that are just around angry. And at some point, if there's a space for those folks, then it just has to go and it has to be, it has to be what it is. But if you are going to attack that other place, you're going to bring back hell upon yourself. So you've got to be careful about who is making those decisions for you. And that's true for any nation state. But obviously, people have been living side by side there peacefully, also in areas for a long time. And that's got to be possible as well, too. It's been shown to be possible. So it's complex. But if you want to go back, and I think you use the point you're making, you can go tit for tat. Forever, and, and forever. I mean, any the, nation. I mean, can this do this that. terror attack happened. Any, uh, 15, any nation 15, can do that, yeah. and that's the reason why you have like white nationalists in America going, "Dude, it was rough for white people too in the, in the history of the world." Yes, it was. You can go. T- you can go back to any nation, any group of people: white, black, brown, yellow. You can go all the way down. You, Everyone has been. We've yeah. shit upon each other yeah, for so yeah, much. Yeah. And I'm not trying to say like what's happening that justifies what's happening now to people. No, we should. We should actively seek yeah, to stop well, yeah, any type yeah, of oppression yeah, what, or any type that's of That's the point. That's the point we're making is you want to go back and find sinners. We are all fucking hey, sinners. Hey, listen, I'm going to say something right now. We're in all the, fucking in, in sinners the, in, the context, in world history. In the context of Israeli Gaza, you look at the formation of the Israeli state. And when, when there was a delegation of both Palestinians and, Isra- and Israelis at that point, not Israelis, but just Jews trying to form the Isra- Israel uh, nation state, they go to Washington, they go to the UN, and it's offered, a two-state solution is offered immediately. Palestinians will have this land, Israel will have this land. And the Palestinians refused it. I can, we can sit there and say, well, that was your fucking problem, that was the beginning of your fucking war. 
because the Palestinians said no, no land should be given to the Jews at that point. Right. And it wasn't like the Jews didn't have any any blood relationship they, they, to the land. There was, but there were also. But you see what I'm saying? There was also, I can sit there and say right. whatever Israel's done yeah. after that has been justified yeah. because they have defended right. defend their right to exist. And there were already Jews actually living there anyway. and had done so for thousands of years. Right. So like, but all I'm saying is, if you want to go tit for tat, right. Why don't we start there? Why does your starting point have to be when uh, uh, you know a, a bomb kills a Palestinian child? Why is that your starting point? Let's go back to the very very beginning of the formation of the Israeli state. Do you see how counterproductive that is? We're not getting anything done. We're not getting any solutions. Right. And 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 if you want, we can sit here and talk and about it, this in yeah, humanity's and, class and, all day long. And, yeah, it doesn't yeah, fucking and, solve and the if, problem. And if you want, and if you want us to give a different, uh, the other side of that, we could go back into the antiquities of the Hebrew people, the Jews, the Hebrews moving into Cana and slaughtering everybody that lived there wholesale. Sure. That yeah. are the descendants of the Palestinians. You could do that too from outside. So that's what we're trying to tell you. Is that like just because you learn it in one hundred and one doesn't mean that it's going to be a good right. policy to, it, it, to, to to have for today? If I if I snip it this here, you are guilty. If I snip it here, you are guilty, and that will go back for anywhere in the world. It's no pragmatic. The world. There's no yeah. pragmatism. Oh, to the it. Scandinavians are so peaceful and chill, yeah. and they're always the happiest yeah. people. Guess what? Snip it. One thousand A.D. They're fucking raping and pillaging, and the scourge of Europe. Yeah. And nobody wants to come across I them. Think, I think where I where my college experience was different than maybe the college experience for people today is we didn't just talk about the grievances that that nation states have or nations have yeah. with their own states or with states. We it wasn't it wasn't the the primary focus was right. some, was someone not to teach me that you either have shit on somebody or have been shit on in your in your past. Right. It's like, bro, no, like I need to know the X's and O's. Like where the fuck is where is Israel? Where yeah. Where is Scandinavia? Where right. is all you learn these things in but, school? But you it, learn and you learn how to critically think, and the problem is, is we're not critically thinking well. And, at can, all. and can, can we can we like can we like literally end on that for this aspect because it is the perfect example of walking and chewing gum while the bullets fly, and it's this: we live in an era in an age of grievance. American politics has been saturated with grievance politics. And look where it's fucking gotten us. Even if you do something, you're not happy. With every it. time grievance takes over, authoritarian fo- authoritarianism follows, and then death and subjugation also follow. And what I'm saying is, here we are talking about all the shit, and what nobody talks about is, there have been also hundreds and thousands of years where these people have lived inside. In, uh, next to each other in peace there we just talked about there are palestinians in israel proper who are living peacefully amongst their israeli jewish neighbors and so on and so forth you have jews in tel aviv that will go to palestinian restaurants and eat palestinian food and love it that are run by palestinian families and so on and so forth you don't have to go far you can watch fucking... Well, look at the fucking who, music who, festival yeah, that just got yeah, shot the yeah, fuck yeah, up. Yeah. It's I right there on the border. Literally people... I mean, but like, who who was it? Was it uh, Anthony Bourdain? Mm-hmm. And you can see other shows where people like to go to these cultural... Pla- these other places and look at the food and the culture. It doesn't like food. And, and it always... <laughs> it's always never... Like, when they go to Israel, it's never like, oh, let's go to all these... They're going to fucking Palestinian places and looking at their... De- and these restaurants that are loved and... I the literally one of the Bourdains I watched was a Palestinian and a Jewish guy, both chefs going around with Bourdain eating at different places and how even in some of those restaurants the cultures and the the meals have mixed and fused fusion, together. Fusion, yeah. And it's like 
we never, and people are going to listen to this part and they're like, this is fucking silly. Why are you? No, it's not. This is fucking real life. And the other shit puts us into camps where we've got to do this and we've got to do that. And then we, somebody needs to become the bad guy. And, and I want well, to... Nation, nationalism works both ways. And, and you I, can sit there and say, you know, yeah. like, the, the idea of, of, of nationalism is not just the aggrieved. It's also the people who are, who are, who are, who are giving that grievance, those grievances out. Do you see what I'm saying? Right. Like, it, when you start looking at the world as Israelis or as Palestinians or as Americans... And as Russians, and realizing that that is all that's the be end and end all of all conversations, everything is I can I, like I can identify you because you're a white dude from California. I can identify you because you're an African American from the inner city of Baltimore. That lends itself to no nuanced discussion of anything. I automatically know who you are because you're a you're a, you're an African American from from say, from the inner cities of Baltimore, or you're an Israeli Jew, so or you're a Russian, or you're a Ukrainian. Yeah. Right? Those are nationalistic tendencies that get us in these very frigid roles that we can no longer break yeah. out of because no one's going to listen to a white guy talk about race relations with a, with a black man from, 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 uh, from Baltimore. Yeah, I mean... We, the, that can't the, be the, because the, you don't understand right. him. He doesn't understand right. you. Right, That's which postmodernist is, which, bullshit. Yeah, which is bullshit. So I want to say this because we're going to run out of tape here. I love that I said tape. tape. Yeah, I know, but Wasn't it is. Yeah, it is, baby. This is low tech yeah. bullshit. Yeah, it is. It is low tech bullshit. I want to say this: that is the it is human nature to fall into this condition where you can be 100%. divided so easily. I have had to pull back my own perspective with Russia, following the Ukrainian war and seeing the things that I have seen on video of what Russians have done, the Russian troops have done to themselves, to civilians. These things. I got to a point where, like, I would ha- be offline talking to Jimmy and be like, dude, these people, right? You get into that that phrase. And James said something today that I think is really poignant, right? He's like, I can feel bad for Russians and Russia. And the reality is they are not monolithic. They are people that are so against what's happening and so disgusting, but they cannot speak because the people that have all disappeared. Yeah, There were people speaking, but they're all gone now. And... I can separate, right? The poor Russian family, the mother who's crying as her two sons come back to her who were never supposed to be where they went and who's got no answers from her government and is livid and mad and filming a message to the leaders with other angry mothers. So I can sit there and go, oh, okay, here you go. This is where I'm putting you. Then I can listen to the woman who's like, I will have eight sons and send them all to die gloriously in Ukraine until we subjugate it and be like, yeah, and you go over here. You should. You have no business being a mother, right? Yeah, like, and you and you and you have to. You have to have that perspective. But the reason that James and I started this podcast, and the reason that we care, since the subject went here, is because Americans are not an ethnicity. We are the great experiment of all the things we're talking about. Can you have a land where all these different people that have either been in power or stepped on, or at one point had either the sins committed against them or were committing the sins themselves have come together and live within the structure and are called Americans for the nation state they're in. We have to survive. We have to prove that we can be beyond our ethnicities and these things that we can represent and look at each other and honor those differences, but 
realize in honoring those differences, we can live side by side and everybody can have a part of that, but we can also be unified together as well, which is why we have to have people who understand nuance and are intelligent and do not fall to the, to the, you know, well, you have to do the, the less, the lesser. No the, one ever said this was going to be fucking easy. Yeah. Like you need to do the work. You can't just let an algorithm on social media platforms give you your fucking news and spoon feed you what you feel, but it makes you feel good. Sometimes you have to look at the other side and really look at uncomfortable situations where, listen, man, I don't like, I'm not an ultra conservative MAGA guy, but I still read about what they believe in. I'll still watch their fucking videos because, because you have to know the world in which you live and navigate. Don't allow anybody else to don't don't allow anybody else to hold your own conscience, and don't allow anybody else to to to, to tell you how you're going to operate in this world. Period. All right. Peace out. Yeah, that's it. That's what we got for you. Uh, we hope we hope we started food for thought or for you to think about it. You may may have disagreed with what we said, but at least we put it out there. All right. We'll catch you guys next episode.